Welcome back to Court FM. This podcast has shifted and changed in the most beautiful ways. And I've really decided to squeeze it down to this idea of communication, how it's expanding single story narratives. When you listen to women, when you listen to the femme, when you listen to anyone outside of your own social, political, ideological, religious circles, you're expanding the narrative. And that's what communication does. It expands the narrative. Since I've embarked on this master's degree program at Gonzaga University studying strategic communication and leadership, I am even more aligned to how communications has led me on different paths, weaved me in and out of organizations, um, relationships, opportunities, because I'm aligned with truth. I'm aligned with integrity. And I steer my ship accordingly. What we're going to talk about today is a theory of communications that I've known for a long time. I've been practicing it for a long time, many years, a decade even, but I never knew it was a thing until I started learning about communication theories. Communication theories are systems and models of looking at the way we communicate, um, looking at challenges of communication, and they're tools and resources for helping to untangle dialogue for different purposes, for different meanings. So this one specific communication theory that caught me is called communicative constitution of organizations. It's a big word. We call it CCO. What it is, though, is this idea of communication constituting. Period. Communication constitutes. It calls something into being. It calls something into understanding. It commences. If you think about a minister at a wedding... I now pronounce you husband and wife. That pronouncement is the commencement of a marriage. If a judge or a jury declares a verdict, that declaration is changing lives from the moment it's spoken. I could talk to you all day about a bird, but if I didn't specifically call it what it was, a heron, you would be unclear about what I was referencing. Even in religion, the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, right? The word called things into being and communication has that power. Specifically, the communicative constitution of organizations is generally called the four flows theory. It's about communication being fluid, not fixed. It's about it moving forward. And it provides these junctures where we can look at specific spaces of time in organizational flows where we where dialogue is essential and necessary and productive and helpful. 
I think about Brene Brown all the time where she says she'll respond to someone in dialogue and say, say more. She's keeping the communication flowing, perhaps for clarity, insight, for understanding. If she starts to feel confused or if she starts to feel angry about what someone's saying, she really checks in with herself and her feelings in dialogues. And she'll say, say more to keep the communication moving. So that's what we're talking about today. Communication is fluid, not fixed. Let's talk about it. And let's see where this goes. Welcome to Court FM. Flow is movement, a reference to continuity, not only to streams of water, but of thoughts, blood, cash, energy. Dysfunction occurs when a flow is blocked. Water becomes stagnant, susceptible to bacteria. Stuck thinking can lead to depression. When arteries are clogged, normal heart function impedes. And a stop to cash flow presents a variety of potential loss. And organizational, institutional systems, relationships are no different. The work of Carl Wick says that organizational systems are like living organisms, part of an ecosystem of information flowing with life energy that must continually process energy through communication, not only to survive, but to thrive. Wick was responsible for Introducing this concept of sense-making, a communication behavior designed to reduce ambiguity and provide equality. Sense-making was the pillar for this communications theory, communicative constitution of organization. This theory was founded by Arizona State University communications professor Robert McPhee. And his concept is that it is communication not systems, mission statements, architectural structures that create an organization, that create a relationship, as I would take it further to say. Communication is representing the whole. It calls things into being by identifying four distinct flows of communication that propel survival or impede advancement. McPhee calls these flows because they're interactive, enduring, multi-form and multi-current, and it's carried out in multiple places and contexts, often by numerous people, many of whom have no status or intent to speak for the organization. I originally understood this concept informally of the four flows theory when I went to um, career college, trade school in my early 20s, and the process of creating curriculum for adult learning, which trades education is formulated on adult learning models of thinking, um, it's experiential learning. So it was designed upon this four flows theory. Format is... Bernice McCarthy's inspired learning curriculum design that takes different learning styles and carries the information through these learning styles to create a whole complete lesson for diverse learners. 
It's called whole-brained thinking, where it takes the left hemisphere, the right hemisphere of the brain, the feeling, the thinking, the reflecting, and the doing, and creating it into a flow of information processing. So these four types of communication flows that constitute an organization are also related to the four learning types of format, the experiential learning model that constitute a whole brain approach to learning. To understand learning styles enables people to respond to the needs and stimulus of all learning styles. To understand your own is also to understand somebody else's. So let's take a look at these four flows. And I'm also going to relate them how they um, parallel with format and experiential learning types. The first flow is membership negotiation. In an organization, this is where new hires learn what it means to be a member while getting acquainted with guidebooks, policies, mission statements, and engaging in initial social relationships. The first flow of format is type one, the imaginative learner, those who process information best through personal experience. Type one learners seek meaning and enjoy expressing feelings about information, while type one leaders emphasize personal connection with the content through activities based on discussion and listening. Both of these flows focus on messages that prioritize individual development and acclimation to information. They answer the question of why for clarifying concepts and giving reasons for the information to make sense. The second flow of the four flows theory is self-structuring. This is the juncture where communication defines who's who and what teams do. Shared understanding emerges, relating the practical work at hand, providing a level of expectation for optimal organizational performance. So design, implementation, organizational processes that are outlined through charts and bylaws often frame this self-structuring flow. For learning types, this second flow is called type two. It's analytical learners, those who approach learning through examining details with specific attention to logical data while enjoying the formulation of theories and models. So type two learners prefer readings, lectures, um, exploring analytical models and having time to think things through. While type two leaders emphasize content through logical lectures and note taking. Both of these flows answer the question of what through statistics cited sources that bolster a concept of credibility. The third flow of CCO, the third flow is activity coordination. 
in an organization, this is where communication focuses on internal day-to-day operations that keep departments like human resources, sales, marketing, and quality control moving forward together with their respective tasks at hand. This is where interdependency comes into flow with a special focus to internal challenge and solutions while negotiations of new and cooperative patterns can assist in getting work done. The third flow of learning types is type three, the common sense learner. Those who enjoy learning through thinking and doing, problem solvers who require mobility and are at home with tasks and deadlines. Type 3 learners communicate through action using practice and experimentation to model the prototype of ideas, while Type 3 leaders provide instruction through hands-on tinkering to check the validity of content. Both of these flows center around the question of how, with a membership to individual responsibility for understanding organizational objectives. And the fourth flow is institutional positioning. This is where organizations focus on external communications and interactions within a local or global community, working to accomplish social responsibility and even foster healthy competition. Positional, situational power are the motives of this flow, where you would see press reports, public relations, media messages, um, community volunteerism. The fourth flow of learning types is type four, the dynamic learner who this person enjoys taking risks, uh, learning through self-discovery while connecting their learning with application that's meaningful and unique to them. Open dialogue and discussion, collaboration, finding creative solutions to problems mark the type four learner while the type four leader supports the learner as the innovator of real life content application. So this flow asks the question, what if expanding communication beyond the walls of the organization, beyond the relationship and relying on innovation to keep these flows in motion? To understand these four flows of communication and how they actually correlate to these four learning types is also to understand that they all make up the whole. People call themselves, oh, I'm a left brain thinker. I'm a right brain thinker. But the reality is we use our whole brain. Perhaps what you're really strong at, if you're really analytical, perhaps the great balance for you is looking at the more creative side of things or immersing yourself in creativity because it's uncomfortable, because it's not familiar. The same goes with creative. The creative mind needs analytics. They need sources and information and data to help balance out 
the side of the brain that they're working on the most. So in vocational education, our purpose was to create curriculum that touched on these four learning types. And that embodied the learning process. So while each lesson contained elements of each learning type, we were creating whole brained opportunities. So we were reaching a diverse student base. It also created an opportunity for our students and our staff to really look at themselves, each other inside and understand more about who they are, how they receive information, and perhaps what element is off balance within them. As teachers, our goal was to provide a balanced curriculum. As students, their goal was to understand themselves and see where their learning needs more information. Most creatives really can benefit from analytics and math and data because it's uncomfortable. It's teaching us something we don't know. But we shy away from it because whether whether or not we're good at it or not, or we feel comfortable in that place, it's necessary for balance. So communication constitutes organization through these four flows. These are the four junctures where um, healthy, flowing, advancing organizations identify these junctures and can set up times for strategic dialogue. In the first flow, the strategic dialogue would be the interview process or perhaps the 30-day evaluation. Um, I worked for an amazing man who, after 30 days, would bring in a new hire and say, tell me how it's going. What do you see? He was continually interested in the perspective of a fresh set of eyes in his organization. He wanted someone to offend him. He wanted people on his team that were willing to come in with new perspectives and identify issues that were great and solid and flourishing and also communicate that which could be strengthened, that which needed opportunity to grow or that which maybe was causing harm or dysfunction that someone who maybe had been there for 10 years wouldn't see because it's so normalized. I really appreciated this about working for this man because he valued um, difficult conversations. He valued people. And that is part of my story as well. Um, Working different places throughout my life and having a constant thread from different leadership um, tell me to stay in my lane. Or if I was overseeing a department, they didn't want me looking around the rest of the organization and saying, hey, um, we need to work on this. I would step on someone's toes, I've been told. Um, So I just needed to stay in my lane. And I'm sure many people can relate with that. But when I began working for, um, or at least started my interview process at this specific um, institution. One of his final questions to me before I was hired, he said, what's your biggest weakness as a leader? 
And so I brought up the stories that I had been told throughout my life. Well, I have a habit of stepping on people's toes. And, oh, you know, sometimes I provide um, perspective that was never invited. Um, Or I can see something in another department and I really just need to stay in my lane. And he sat back. I'll never forget this. It's, It's like clear as day in my mind. He sat back in his chair and he smiled and he said, who told you that was a weakness? And everything within me stopped for a moment. My heart skipped a beat. My brain cleared its thought patterns. I sat there stiff as a board and I was like, well, that's what I know. And he said, I've been looking for someone like you That is the kind of people I want on this team. We have several departments and I need leaders who are willing to step on toes, who are willing to engage in difficult dialogue for the purpose of improving our operations as a whole. And everything clicked for me in that moment. This idea that this thing that was a weakness somewhere else had nothing to do with me and who I am. It was about the leadership and the processes of this other place of other people, their own standards, their own limited thinking. And I knew I was in the presence of somebody that I wanted to grow from and learn from. Needless to say, that moment um, changed my life, working with him, working in an environment where that kind of leadership was so um, professional and clear and supportive. So knowing that that was the institution that I began working with this idea of learning styles and Bernice McCarthy's format, our curriculum design process for creating engaging um, lessons, this is where coming into communications theory in college understanding how they connected. And actually, the research was that format came from this communicative um, constitution of organizations. So that's why I'm so passionate about it. It was really exciting to me to know that this thing that I've known all along actually had a name and it has a system. And now I get to learn more about that. So the four flows theory, format, the embodiment of the learning process and communications, it aligns universal concepts and information. It recognizes diversity as foundational to the creation of more inclusive and productive institutions. There are a couple principles with the four flows theory. The first one is that all four flows are necessary for organization. Just as one flow does not prove sustainability for relationships or organizations, and one learning type does not promote whole brain thinking for all learners, all flows are necessary for organizational health and balance. Two, different flows can happen in different places. Seasons matter for organizational communication system. Seasons matter for human relationships. So different learning types also apply to different seasons and not just seasons of learners, but also different learning types of information, 
Are you learning how to do a service or are you learning about a product? So different flows happen in different places. Three, the same message can address multiple flows. So where the essence of content can be intersectional, so can the essence of information host multiple facilitation opportunities. The same message can address multiple flows of information. And four, different flows addressed different audiences. So understanding diversity of an audience is important for organizational sustainability, just as understanding a diversity of your relationships is important for that sustainability of that relationship. And understanding the diversity of learning types with yourself, with your teams is important for more thorough receptivity of concepts in education, but also for more respect and honor and understanding of who your teammates are, who the people are in your family, your relationship groups, your circles, your social groups. Knowing that these elements, these learning types are actually helping each other, balancing each other out. So if you wonder why, oh, I always bump heads with this person or him and I, they just, we rub each other the wrong way. That might be a relationship that you should invest some time into. Perhaps there's something you could learn. Perhaps there's something they can learn. Going into these relationships, going into these organizational um, connections, getting hired on at a company, these flows represent opportunities to check in with yourself, to check in with an organization, for the organization to check in with its people and productivity and get a wider intersection of perspective for the health and the growth and the opportunities that are there. These access points or flows of the four flows theory, they afford people and organizations entry points for diagnostics of organizational relational dysfunction. Similarly, Bernice McCarthy's format and learning types, this cycle of information processing that hits on these four flows of learning types. They offer insight to individual challenges, both on the student, facilitator levels, leadership, parents, family units, connecting humanity to systems is an interdisciplinary approach to learning, to understanding, to relating to people. This suggests that these human relation systems in whatever form you're trying to apply it to, whether it's in yourself, with people, in an organization, they are reflective and active. They are verbal and nonverbal. They're concrete and abstract, and they involve both the head and the heart. So with communication theory, we are on a quest for sense-making, offering these access points to create intentional, strategic communications that 
provide greater opportunity, not only for these relationships to survive, but for a constitutionally thrive. So these junctures, when we're looking at researching, whether you're doing an evaluation of a relationship, um, looking at um, your team, looking at the organization, and you're having these junctures of evaluation, that's basically what you're doing is gathering research, right? You're gathering data to really either understand a problem and work through it, or to um, have a challenge in a relationship, or you're in an argument or a conflict, and you need to gather more data. So it's both qualitative in the sense that you're looking at words, you're collecting language, you're searching for threads that point to meanings, the way that people use language. But you can also start looking at the qualitative data. Like how many times is this word used and who uses this word and who identifies a meaning to this word and what's the power imbalance or balance? What's going on in the situation? And you can look at it through the numbers. You can look at it um, through qualitative data and then putting those things together. If we're having a conflict about money, That conflict usually comes out with relationships and a marriage in different arguments. It can be expressed through conversations that have nothing to do with dollars and cents. Those kind of relationship conflicts express themselves in very unique and interesting ways. And sometimes it's the dialogue of digging into the argument, the words used, that we can start looking at what the real issue is. Then the real issue can be a quantitative analysis of, well, let's look at our finances. Let's look at our budget. Let's look at the dollars and cents. And then once that qualitative research has been done, that can help balance out the language, the ways the behaviors that are in conflict. Communication theories provide so much support for understanding the way we think within our own heads and the way that we want to understand the way other people think. Think about how difficult it is sometimes to even name or pinpoint or identify the actual feeling that you're experiencing. Now, try to consider taking that process and applying it to someone's body that you're not even in? How can you even begin to guess what someone else is thinking or feeling or experiencing if we have so much trouble even identifying our own? Stay with me here at Court of Them and let's keep talking about communication. Let's keep looking at ways to connect. Let's keep talking about it. Let's see where it goes. Let's let the flow of communication reveal things. And let's see what happens. This is Melinda Ketwalader, and I'll see you next time.